Welcome to the OTT Cast by FX Digital. My name is Linda and I'll be your host. At OTT Cast, we take a deep dive into the world of OTT, an acronym for over the top, which refers to streaming content via an internet connection. This is your one-stop shop for all things connected TV. Today, I will be joined by FX Digital's very own co-founder and managing director, Matt Duig. Matt founded FX Digital in 2011 with his business partner and childhood friend, Tom Smith. After honing their web development skills and moving into TV app development, their business has witnessed huge growth as the OTT space continues to boom. Matthew Duig, is that the correct pronunciation? That is really good, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Many people don't do that, they're like, Duig, bang on the money. Yeah, so um, we wanted to know, what's the one thing that you would have liked to know when you started your career? I think the one thing I'd have liked to have known, how easy it was just to get up and and get cracking and do it yourself. Um, I think when me and Tom first started the business, there was a bit of anxiety around um, kicking things off, like you know the the social norm is to graduate from uni which is what we both did and then jump straight into a a career um work with someone else exactly Mm. i got i got a job out of university um doing an internship uh tom tom got a job likewise doing an internship we were both actually making a loss going to work so it cost us more money to go to work and pay for the train and have lunch and it did (laughs) it did to actually be in the job was that for Um, like a mine was a digital company and tom's Mm. was um Tom's was like a post-production. Oh, okay. um, but yeah, like I said, doing internships and sort of partway through those roles, we realised that we, we probably could make more money sort of doing it ourselves. And we'd, mm-hmm. we'd been doing website design and build as a hobby for a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, that, that sort of started to grow through word of mouth, yeah. really. And we got more opportunities come our way and, and decided that we could commit more of our time to, to work in working on what at the time was called Juicy Webs, um, but it's obviously now a very different business. Um, <laughs> what was the first project that you did? The first project we ever did was a website for my sister. Um, she ran a bridal shop at the time and needed a site to promote the shop. Yeah. Um, I was at university at the time and I was the, the guy in uh, the projects that would always build the websites because it was sort of one of my, my main skill sets. Mm-hmm. I'd let the rest of the gang sort of go off do research and whatnot and I would be the project guy that builds the websites mm-hmm. and my sister obviously learned this and then asked if I could build a website for for her bridal shop um, and I could build a site but I have zero creative and design capability so okay reached out to my good friend Tom yep. who I'd known from school um, and he he offered to do a logo for the website um, and for the for the for the brand mm-hmm. and then also do the design for the website uh, and then essentially what happened there on was my sister then started recommending us to other bridal shops and yeah, that, that was that was sort of a hobby during university. And then we both, like I said, went off and got these internships. And then partway through that, sort of decided to start committing more time towards okay. the, the, what was the web design and build business oh, at the time. Nice. From day one, though, me and Tom always um, loved the pace that the industry grows at. Mm-hmm. And we um, made a very conscious effort to, I mean, once we could you know, afford a, a salary for ourselves. Mm. We made a very conscious effort to then take any profit in the business and reinvest it into research and development. Oh, yeah. So we've always been looking for new technology. Um, mm. In the early days, that technology was things like uh, WebGL, WebAR, WebVR. Yeah. Um, we hired Joy, who's still with us today, mm. to do a lot of the initial research and understanding of those technologies. And then ultimately, we eventually stumbled across things like voice, and then that led into TV, which is obviously what we do today. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, we've we've always been looking for exciting new technology, and yeah, we we've come a long way, but have now sort of landed on a real strong proposition, which is what we've been doing for the last you know five or six years essentially. Do you remember a difficult or very challenging moment in your in your career? Yeah, so um, there is there are so many to be honest. Uh, I could talk about the first office we ever hired and how how um, difficult it was to commit to a consistent amount of money coming out of the business, albeit it was in comparison to the, obviously the, the OPEX today was was very, very light. What, instead um, of sitting at home? Yeah, ba- basically me and Tom decided to start working from an office. And at first we, we started using Google Campus mm-hmm. in, I think in Moorgate. Um, but if you've ever been to Google Campus, it's essentially like a cafe in a basement and a month of that and terrible back pain. We were <laughs> like, this isn't, this isn't really viable. So um, two of our good friends were running a business in the place we're based now, the Truman Brewery. And we decided to come and check out some office space. And there was some here that was maybe at the time a bit out of our reach in terms of affordability, but we went for it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that was the first office space. But I'd say probably the most challenging part has been um, finding good people, like finding good people. We've, we, get, we get a lot of praise for how well we've been able to do it over the years but it does take a lot of effort to find really great people and when you found those people I remember um, sort of being the person that trained uh, Clayton who's obviously one of our um, was was our lead developer until he's now recently moved into the people director role mm. um, and, and sort of the day that I realised that he was becoming a better developer than I was <laughs> was, <laughs> oh, that's was tough. yeah it was really difficult for me um, but at the same time amazing because yeah. I'd, I'd worked so closely with him and he was sort of like initially he sort of just come out of that shadow and just really embraced that role mm. um, and yeah it, it sort of taught me how to let let go and mm. give control over and sort of let people run with it um, but yeah initially accepting that I mean today I'm probably the worst developer in the company uh, that's what I heard as well <laughs> 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 no it's alright what is it that FX Digital does so today, um, we've evolved over time to become uh, a technology business that operates across the OTT spectrum. So we um, design, develop, and deliver uh, products across web, mobile, and TV uh, around uh, that are focused around OTT, which is essentially video streaming mm-hmm. uh, over the internet. Uh, differently to most companies, um, although we have a focus across OTT, we're what we call connected TV first. Mm-hmm. So we really put a lot of attention and care into the experience that is delivered on connected TV. What is the one big misunderstanding about our specialist area? So we work in um, the OTT space, which is essentially video streaming over the internet. Mm-hmm. Our specialist area is really that connected TV piece. Mm-hmm. And I think not so much when talking to brands, but when talking to consumers, definitely the one misunderstanding or misgiving I hear is is that people really don't understand that you can you can actually have apps developed for TV devices. Yeah. Um, when, when I say app, you think about, you know, mobile, right? Um, but, but you can obviously install applications onto a TV as well. Mm. Um, and sometimes it's, you know, when I speak to friends about what I do, I have to almost explain to them that they're using Netflix and that is an application on the TV device. Yeah. You know, your TV might have come pre-installed with it, but Netflix has still built that application. Mm. So yeah, and, and then once, once people understand that, they sort of start to realise that, there's this whole other world. Um, I mean, it only takes you to, to crack open your Samsung ties and then start looking around at the applications to realise that there's, 
you know, there's lots of possibility for mm-hmm. TVs and it's such a young space, such an early space that um, I think there's so much growth potential. Uh, at the moment, we really only see, you know, predominantly video streaming applications on TV, yeah. but I do think there's a lot of scope for it to be much more than that as well. Yeah, definitely. What is one thing that you would change in our industry? There needs to be more of an effort to standardise things. Connected TV development is is so fragmented. Um, all the different platforms. When we when we build for connected TV, we we generally start with like you know ten or fifteen devices, and mm. um, the difficulty is not all of them require you to build in the same way. So over time, we've developed a framework that can deploy to these different devices, but it it's quite intricate and it takes a lot of effort to get to that place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you'll have some devices that require you to build using a web app approach. You'll have some that require you to build using like native code on the on the device itself and you'll have some like roku that are written in completely different you know proprietary custom languages that are designed by roku themselves so that that fragmentation makes it really difficult for us for many reasons we you know we need to go out and buy hundreds of devices so as, as an agency now we have lots and lots of devices in our device lab and at the moment across across the world really with our remote team what is the benefit for a device to work in its own code Good question. I guess if you were, if you were, I guess if you, if you think about Apple, right, mm-hmm. they they own the hardware and the software, and in doing that, the argument is that they therefore can create something that's very optimized for the hardware that it runs on. Um, and I, I, I suspect that Roku had very similar similar ideas. They've they've created something that runs incredibly efficiently on their device. Um, you know, when you build in these native uh, languages as well, the, the the applications are a lot a lot smoother typically. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's the real reason for it. Um, furthermore, that that level of control is is obviously desirable for yes, for companies like Roku and Apple, and you know, being able to control things from end to end. Um, there's a lot of lot of opportunities for for revenue in there. Yeah, is that one of the biggest challenges? Do you find, or is there another? Definitely. Like, I think about if, if I think about the general operation of the business from design through to development through to quality assurance. Mm. When we're designing, we have to design for many different native experiences. Yeah. When we're building, we have to build and test it on many different devices. We have to integrate with many different APIs. For example, if we're, um, you know, building something that stores something in the memory of the device, mm. the way that we manage that storage will be different in a Samsung to the way it is in, say, an LG device. Mm-hmm. So there's no you build it once and it works everywhere approach. Unfortunately, there's no silver bullet. So, how has the uh, pandemic impacted on your business? We're uh, we're actually one of the lucky few that have been positively impacted by the pandemic. Um, the industry that we operate in, connected TV as a as a sort of solution and a, and a product, is incredibly popular. More people being at home because of lockdowns sure. means more people consuming content through their TV devices. Um, we've seen a significant uptick in new business inquiries. We've won some some large projects over the past the past year, and our teams more than doubled in size in the last year. And it's you know, it's not probably all as a result of the pandemic, but um, it, I think it's definitely helped fuel that growth. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it hasn't come without its challenges. We've obviously moved from being a fully office-based team to going fully remote, but mm-hmm. the team's done an, an amazing job to be able to to handle that, um, and, and it's making us rethink our entire remote working policies going mm-hmm. forward, like any business yeah. at the moment. Cool. What do you do to mark some successful moments in your career? We actually have conversations about this 
about how we need to, to do more of this because lots happens in the business. I mean, it, we, we've just come past our 10 year anniversary, which was 7th of April and we've not, <gasps> we've not celebrated it. Um, I've barely even mentioned it. I think the, the only thing I did was shared a picture of our first office in the internal Slack. Oh, was that the, the team. Yeah, the, the, the pit. And <laughs> like, we need to do so much more to celebrate our successes because there's lots of them and the team deserve, um, yeah, deserve the recognition. I think we've been lucky enough to win awards over the years and it's always a great feeling when the team can, can sort of be recognised. What innovation has your business contributed to? Like I said, we've always had that R&D focus as a business um, and we worked through WebGL, WebAR, WebVR as technologies uh, before coming to, to the connected TV space. Um, and we're in a position now whereby we're productizing the offering and we now have a framework that we've designed which um, uses React Native and can deploy from uh, a single code base to Android TV, Apple TV, uh, and then also web-based applications on, on things like Samsung and LG mm-hmm. using a WebGL renderer. Um, and that, that's an open source framework that, that um, one of our partners has created. Um, and then we sort of wrap that in our React Native piece to, to extend where it can be deployed. What's um, a common misconception with OTT? I think one of the things that frustrates me the most about, I guess, the media sector in general uh, is acronyms. And, uh, <laughs> and it's funny I say that because OTT is in itself an acronym. It's not really a misconception, but all the acronyms that are always being used in all the meetings I ever attend. To, to, to the other things that I mentioned earlier, like having to have all those devices, all the acronyms also contribute to increasing the barrier to entry for, for pe- anyone that wants to learn more about TV. Yeah. And I think it can, be easy, it can be so easy to, as a developer or someone that's in QA or a, a product owner or a project manager, to look at entering this space and go, oh my God, what is all this jargon? I don't understand I'll just it, choose yeah. something else. Could you um, summarise the benefits of uh, investing in the OTT space for us? I think um, that the real benefit at the moment is is jumping on this significant growth that we're seeing in the sector. Mm-hmm. So traditionally, when people build uh, video streaming services, OTT services, they'll build for web and mobile, and then TV is a bit of an afterthought, if at all. Okay. I think that that mindset is shifting, and people are now looking at TV as an opportunity to reach an even greater audience, an audience that is in a better setting, which is in their front room, Mm -hmm. in a relaxed environment, where they'll likely consume significantly more content than what they would otherwise if they were using their phone on the tube or... Or you know, using using their laptop in a yeah, they're more loyal setting. to what they exactly, watching. yeah, yeah. I mean, to to be able to say to our customers that you know you've got a part of somebody's living room because you're on that TV and they'll sit down and they'll consume your application is mm-hmm. is pretty amazing. Who is your dream client or dream product? I've always actually made this one quite clear to the team that my dream client would to one day be to work for um, the Premier League. So I'm a massive football fan. I would love the opportunity to work on the connected TV product for the Premier League. Um, I think we've done a lot in the sports sector uh, and, and that would be something we could bring you know, real value to. What's your next exciting project that you'd like to plug? So at the moment, um, we're committing quite a lot of time and energy towards our internal technologies, mm-hmm. um, which are a number of different things, um, all, all sort of falling at the moment within, a, within the sort of what we call FX OTT bracket. Uh, we have um, more specifically a, a front-end framework that I mentioned earlier that, that we're using for, for client projects, and that's evolving at such a quick pace, and um, we're adding more and more functionality by the day, and it's 
something that we're going to sort of repossession the business to, to push a lot more. Um, and yeah, and that's, that's something that's, that's super exciting for me. It's, it's born out of an evolution of, you know, our, our knowledge of the TV industry in, in, in years gone by and how, um, you know, traditional means of deploying applications don't typically work. And yeah. this sort of new approach we have that is integrated with a lot of the partners that we work with um, yeah, it's really, really awesome, really effective. And what's that called? Uh, but yeah, we, we call it FX OTT. So um, we've always operated as, as an agency ourselves using that model. So mm. we've used FX OTT over the years as, as, a, as a framework to build for clients. Um, yeah, and as we continue to evolve, it's, it's going to be something that we push more front and centre mm. uh, at the heart of what we do. Where do you see the OTT space in five years? So there's, there's probably two questions there. There's... Um, where do I want the OTT space to be in five years? And where do I think the OTT space will be in five years? Um, I would love the OTT space to be in a position in five years where things are standardized. Um, you know, we're, we're building once and it deploys everywhere. Um, there's less, uh, sort of less, um, it's, it's sort of more democratized. So the smaller guys can get onto to connected TV. Mm-hmm. I think there's a real issue at the moment with, you know, connected TV really being owned by the big guys like Netflix and um, you know Hulu and people like that I think there's a be nice to see some of the smaller more independent brands on connected TV um, where do I th- where do I um, think the space will be in five years time I unfortunately I think um, the more I see it develop the more it becomes even more fragmented mm-hmm. um, there's more and more set top boxes being introduced to the market with more and more different approaches um, each vendor seems to want sort of to have their own take on things with their own operating systems and um, completely get why why they want that but I think that that drives us towards a place where we're going to continue to have this fragmented mm. uh, ecosystem and yeah. you know the even to the point of like the the capabilities of the hardware on these devices are, are not particularly great and um, as new hardware is released hardware becomes cheaper and I think I think people will build cheaper TVs rather than increasing the resources of a TV so I think we're always going to have you know, under-resourced devices as well. So it's always going to be super challenging to build for TV. Um, so yeah, I'd love to be in a place where there's absolute harmony in unison, but mm. I think we'll, we'll be where we are today, but with some bells and whistles. Okay. How does FX want to evolve in the next few years? Like I mentioned earlier, FX OTT has been something that's been part of the business in the background for a long time now, and we really want to position this front and centre. Um, we've operated as, as an agency for a long time, and I think... Um, you know, bringing bringing that sort of FX OTT product out out front and and letting customers know that that's a big part of what we do and that you know by using that product they can um, they can benefit from you know almost stand on the shoulders of giants and benefit from from a team that's working on it twenty four seven. I think that's that's super exciting for us. Um, we've really consolidated our efforts into that space into OTT, um, and it and it's over the years brought many many benefits to the business we've got a real focus on recruitment a real focus on training a real focus on what we're building our roadmap mm-hmm. um, and, and a real fo- focus on new business now um, and all the knowledge and the effort and the expertise and the infrastructure of the business is all now geared up so much around connected tv that um, that's just so much of what we do and mm-hmm. and it's yeah it's super exciting for us because it's difficult and we love to do difficult things yeah it's fun learning <laughs> it's so fun it's- yeah I've learned a lot in this podcast, to be honest. Thank you. It's all right. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Linda Muff Erickson, and our guest today was Matt Dewig. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Our exec producer is Ramsey Mawan and assistant producer is Jay Haley. This series is edited and produced by Luke Nixon. Don't forget to subscribe for more great episodes. OTTCast is an FX digital podcast.